If you'll turn in your copy of God's Word to Psalm 62. Psalm 62 this morning. And hear God's Word for you today. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. The power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. This is the word of the Lord. Father, again... As we come before this, I pray that you would strengthen me, empower me by your Spirit, fill me to proclaim your Word with clarity, to proclaim it in a way that it is a comfort and an encouragement to our hearts, where you are exalted, and we are encouraged to put our rest and put our hope and our trust in you. Father, be with us, work in us, Lord, for your glory and for our good and joy. Amen. As we think about this psalm, uh, I was talking through with Erin, and she reminded me of a, a video clip of, of a little bit of, a, um, of an interview between a very young Tom Brady uh, back in 2005, or 2005, 2005, and uh, a 60 Minutes interview. And so we just got to have about a minute or so of an interview here. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I mean, it's, I think that's part of me trying to go out and experience other things. But there's a, I know, I love playing football and I love being the quarterback for this team. And but at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find and different ways of expression, being around. I know what ultimately makes me happy are family and friends and positive relationships with, with great people. 
And I think I get more out of that than anything. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. It's like the most telling phrase in that for me. It's like, I, I just wish I knew what it would be. And you, you see him searching for things. He talks about even th- these glimpses in family and friends, though he calls that ultimate. I think he's missing it. And this was after three Super Bowls. He's now got seven. And as far as I know, he's still searching. He still doesn't know where to place his true hope, his true trust. I think he's still restless in many, many ways. Now, this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 62, obviously. And that proper place of hope, that proper place of trust and of rest. But in this psalm, you see it, uh, it, it looks at an aspect of life, I think it's applicable in many areas, it's challenged, and the psalmist ends up needing to encourage himself to continue to go to the real source of hope. And there's, there's, a, there's a beautiful flow in the psalm from uh, the, the resolve of David, his statement of resolve, to him reminding himself that he needs to continue in that, and then a picture with this contrast of the real resource that he can rest in. And my prayer today is fairly simple. It's that we would come to the place that David rested, that we would come to find our rest in the same place, in God alone, of relying upon and turning to God alone for our salvation, for our hope and refuge, and no matter whatever the circumstance may be, good, bad, indifferent, So the first two verses of the psalm are a statement of resolve, as I said. David David is the psalmist. He's a man who had a very firm grasp on who is worthy to be relied upon. He He had in his lifetime some pretty significant experiential knowledge of seeing God be worthy of being relied upon, of the work of God in his life. He saw that salvation of God firsthand. And so we hear these two verses, "'For God alone my soul waits in silence.'" From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. It's God alone that allows his soul to be in silence, to be at rest and at peace. For him, any other source of salvation will not lead to peace and quiet of spirit. There there will actually be restlessness. Reminds me of Augustine, my heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. The New International Version, the old 1984 version, translates that first phrase, my soul finds rest in God alone. My soul finds rest in God alone. Only in God, truly in God alone, does he find his soul to be still. And if you read through the psalm a number of times, you'll you'll start to notice that the word alone and only are fairly repeated in this beginning section. And it's there for emphasis to say, it is God alone, it is God only that my soul can wait in silence, that my soul can be in silence before Him, restful, without frittering about after everything else. You know, I think I would speak for others when I say, I want to have that same resolve, that determination, to be able to say consistently that my soul finds rest in God alone that is only still while waiting on God, that I don't go home when I'm stressed and I flip on the TV or something else to just kind of check out and find my rest, but that I find it in God alone. 
And I've had those times. I long for them more, where I've experienced stillness, the the level of trust, the, the confidence in God, and I hope you've experienced it. And if you have, you know it's calming. It just, it is restful. And I do think that the majority of people who believe, who have placed their faith in Christ and have encountered the grace of Christ can say what David says as a truthful statement. We can say it as a truthful statement. My soul waits in silence in God alone. But our experience doesn't always match the statement of truth. Often I'm reminded of the the father that we encounter in Mark chapter 9. His son's overcome with an evil and tormenting spirit, and so the father comes to Jesus. Actually, he comes to his disciples first, and the disciples are unable to do anything, and Jesus comes to him and, and asks him these questions, and the father is desperate and begs Jesus and says, if you can, please have compassion on my child. And Jesus responds in verse 23, if you can, All things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And I think that phrase is one of the most freeing phrases in Scripture. Because our world is broken and sinful. And we can say the statement, my soul waits in silence for God alone. I believe that, Lord. Help my unbelief. My soul does not always sit in rest. My soul does not always wait in silence. And so it's a great cry to have. It's a cry that wrestles with that reality of our life. It's a cry that actually knows where to turn, but might be having difficulty in the day-to-day experience of it. You know, when the child is sick, they're difficult, or when, when work is horrific, when the marriage is a struggle, when singleness feels like a weight too hard to bear, when physical pain doesn't leave, we cry, Lord, help my unbelief. My soul finds rest in God alone. Help me find that rest. We see that word in our text, alone. For God alone my soul waits. It's exclusive. It's only, it is in God alone that we can find that rest. Yeah, let me ask you, how often do you turn to other sources for rest? For respite in the face of just the daily part of life. Maybe you realize, maybe you're not getting drunk, but every night you need a drink. Every night you need to search through something or whatever. You just go to something else for rest. And also think about how often do they actually fail. Then it says waits. Waits. We don't like to wait, do we? And, and we're not very good at waiting. We want solutions right away. You know, sitting back and allowing God to work salvation, uh, for, for God whom we, we can't actually see, that's not easy. And we are conditioned more and more in our day and age to, to not wait. Everything has to be faster and immediate. You know, 4G was too slow. Now we have 5G. And so my home internet's slower than what my phone might be, so I want faster internet at home. You know, if, if, if the web page doesn't load in 3.1 seconds or less, I'm just, I've lost my mind. I was talking to Erin about this the other day. She, she ran into Walmart. That was probably the first mistake. Um, but she went into Walmart. She's coming through. She's got a cart full of groceries 
And, you know, there's one checker at Walmart ever. It doesn't matter what time of year, there's only one checker at Walmart. And so there's a line. So she decides to take that cart full of groceries through self-checkout. Let me just say this, not a good idea. Don't, you, you've got this much space to put your groceries on because they take the weight to make sure that you're bagging everything and checking everything. It was not a, it was not a good thing. We, we don't like to wait. She just flat out told me, she's like, that was, it took way longer to do that than it would have been to actually wait on the person to get there. We don't like to wait. A verse like Psalm 40, verse 1, I think, can feel like pie in the sky. I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. It is hard to wait. And so instead, we busy ourselves. We worry. We, we try to solve everything on our own. We, we get anxious. We fret. Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. You know, be still before the Lord. Too often, we are fretful and anxious. There's not much silence. There's not much rest. So the resolve that David has is that it is only from God that we have that rest and salvation. And salvation, not in the sense that we, we, we almost always think of salvation in our day and age as saved from sin. David's is more holistic than that. It's, it's help, it's um, assistance, it's deliverance, it's safety, that God alone is our refuge, that God alone is our fortress. Psalm 9:9. the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Or Proverbs 18:10. the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. see, God alone is our rock. God alone is our salvation. Again, the theme of this book, you'll probably hear it every time I preach through the summer, blessed are all who take refuge in the King who reigns. Blessed are all who take refuge in the King who reigns. And that blessedness comes from turning to the Lord, taking that refuge. He's our rock and our salvation and our fortress. In Him, David says, I shall not be greatly shaken. And you hear in that, there's, there will be trouble, but I will not be utterly, I will not be greatly, I will not be completely shaken. But as we all know, it's one thing to say this, isn't it? It's one thing to make a statement. It's another thing altogether to have that resolve tested in our lives. That's what we find in verses 3 and 4. How long will you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Psalmist is recalling an attack, a time you, you can picture a battering ram just going after a, a fence to knock it down. They're, they're seeking to murder him, to kill him. He was vulnerable. He was at a weak point, and the enemy seized upon that. They battered him. They, they, they sought after him. And the beautiful thing, I think, actually, in the Psalms is we don't know what the situation was. And I think that is a beauty in the entirety of the book of Psalms. For most part, we don't know the situation, so that allows that application to be more broad for us. Because how many of us have ever been king and had people come after us? Okay, but the principle, it, it comes in and we know this and it's the, the beauty of the Psalms. And we can guess that the people he's talking about were acquaintances. 
maybe in his court as he was king, but it could have been at any time. But they were people who, who blessed him publicly, but inwardly they cursed him. They were sycophants. Right? They were, they were self-seeking um, flatterers only out for their own good. They could look really good here, but inwardly they, they were seething. That's, that's a test of the resolve. And so we know that David did not have some merely theoretical belief. It was real. It was tested and tried in the crucible of life. And as it was, he needed to, to remind, to, to truly command himself to stay in that belief. Look at verses 5 and 6. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Now, this is no longer a statement of fact that David is reciting. He is actually talking to himself. He is commanding himself. He's talking to his own soul. He's preaching truth to where it needs to be heard. His soul is on the verge of restlessness. It's on the verge of fear. And he says, he says here, For God alone, O oh my soul, wait. Wait in silence. You know, when the waves of opposition and violence crash against him, when friends are actually foes, when every whisper could be a plot to take him down, that resolve needs to be reinforced in the actual time of, of need. And it's not that David nor, nor any of us don't actually have that need every moment of every single day. We are dependent creatures, but here there was an acute situation that brought it about. That brought about, he had this uh, acute thing that, that pricked him and said, you need to speak to your soul. Command your soul. Wait in silence for me alone. This is something, folks, we all need to learn. We all need to learn to pause, to, to take a breath, to recenter, to refocus on what is stable and steadfast. We need to learn, as Martin Lloyd-Jones talked about, to preach the gospel to ourselves. To say to our soul, wait in Him. To say to our soul, look at everything Christ has done for you. Look at the love He has. Look at how He cherishes His bride, His church. Rest in Him and in Him alone. Because, you know, it's at times like that that our knee-jerk reaction is to move hectically towards a solution. We kick into this overdrive, and, 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 and we try and get the solution, and we work ourselves up, and we're, we're like a rubber band ready to snap. For God alone, oh my soul, stop and wait in silence. Now, these two verses are almost identical with verses 1 and 2. But as you read it, there's some significant differences. First, he, he replaces hope um, for salvation. And in the moment of crisis, folks, we're looking for hope, aren't we? Hope carries us through. It carries us forward. He reminds himself that that hope is in God alone. And second, we do see the imperative, a command to replace the indicative, that statement of resolve, that statement of truth. It goes from, my soul waits in silence. Oh, wonderful. To, oh, my soul waits in silence. And then the third, did you notice there's a missing word in verse 6? It goes from, I shall not be greatly shaken, to I shall not be shaken. His confidence actually grows in the midst of the trial. 
in the midst of going through it, in the midst of turning back to the Lord and saying, oh, my soul, wait in silence for him. His confidence grows and he says, I'm not even going to be shaken. How beautiful is that? Now, what did David do to get to this point? Part of it is, is he quieted himself before the Lord. Psalm 46, it was the first psalm I preached on March uh, 2020, right after everything was closed down. Just because it's such a psalm of, of stability of the Lord and care, but 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So David was still, but it's not simply the this quieting and meditation and contemplation of God. It is certainly that. It's not less than that, but it's more. I think that be, be, to be still and to know that He is God is to actually put away the other sources of hope that we rely upon. Kick Him to the curb. Get rid of them. All other sources of salvation. It means to be still before the Lord is to put your trust in God alone for salvation. We are, again, so very tempted to kick it into overdrive, to solve whatever it is, and that frenetic pace on the outside only reflects probably a more frenetic pace on the inside. So we have to quiet our souls before the Lord, refocus our hearts uh, on Him, and as we do this, as we turn to Him, in the midst of that trouble and in the midst of the day-to-day, it actually strengthens us to be able to do it further. Because, you know, as we refocus, that strengthens and quiets our souls. What it does, it trains us. It's like muscle memory. Okay, it's like muscle memory. You learn how to do it. And the reality is, is we grow by use. And we grow. Adversity helps that use come about even quicker sometimes, but we grow by use. We want to grow the right muscle as we do this. If we turn to the wrong things consistently over and over again, we'll grow that muscle the wrong way, and it's harder to change. We want to grow that muscle the right way in trust and rest of God. Paul calls us to much the same thing. Philippians 4, probably all familiar with it, calls us, we we think of casting our anxiety on the Lord because He cares for us. Well, so much of that starts with the Lord is at hand. It's the God of peace is at hand. The peace of God, because of the God of peace, will be with you as you cast everything on the Lord. He'll guard our hearts and minds. He'll allow us to be still as we cast everything upon Him. Here's here's the thing, folks. He actually wants to help us. He's not bothered by this. He calls us to come before Him. You know, we've all looked at our kids before when they've tried to work on something that they can't get done, and just kind of with this, why don't you just ask for help? I would love to help you. No. And we're like the little kid who's stubborn so much. Turn to him. Turn to him. Exercise that muscle. Cast your anxiety on him. And you know what? In this psalm, one of the things that I find fascinating is there's nothing in the psalm that says the trouble ceased. It doesn't tell us that it was over. Now, surely it ended at some point in time, but this psalm doesn't say, oh, it stopped, and whew, whew, that was a relief. No, he was in relief before it was done. 
in the midst of it. So folks, it is so important to consistently remind ourselves, to command ourselves, to encourage ourselves to trust God alone. And David helps us see that even further, verses 7 and 8. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Here we see really the the responses that we're to have. It's almost circular in some ways. There's the response, but then the continue to do it so that you can respond and continue to do it so you can respond. David realizes and sees more clearly that his salvation and his rest, or salvation and his glory really rest in God. And one of the things that I think this does is it subtly addresses our heart tendency to pursue other saviors. Again, the word alone. To pursue those things that promise us glory. Our hearts are prone to idolatry, folks to misplaced trust, to misplaced hope, to misplaced joy. And adversity in life often has a way of dealing with that. Mark Furtado wrote this. He said, We think we are trusting God to supply our needs until we are faced with the possibility of losing our job. The anxiety we then experience indicates the presence of a hidden idol, misplaced trust in our job as the source of our security. We think we are depending on God's approval for our sense of personal well-being until we come under severe criticism by others. The pain we then feel indicates the presence of an idol, misplaced dependence on the opinion of others as the source of our sense of self-worth. Such painful experiences are in reality a true blessing as they give us the opportunity to rid our lives of idols and to grow in dependence on God alone for life. So when those things come about, those things that that stir up the anxiety, that stir up the worry and the fretting, that's actually a blessing. And ask yourself more deeply, what is it that I'm depending upon that's not God? Because that's not where I want to sit and stay. It is a blessing to repent, to believe, and to find rest. Anything other than God will eventually be lost, but God will never desert His children, never once. Did he ever leave us? Never once did we ever walk alone as his children. Our treasure, our inheritance is reserved for us in heaven with God for all eternity. If this truth isn't grounding us in the day-to-day, we will not have quiet hearts, and God will not be our functional refuge. Learning to rest in the Lord is part of cultivating and keeping a heart that, that overflows with life You know, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So we need to learn this. And David knows this. He understands as well that it isn't merely being quiet, but it's actually pouring out your heart before him. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before him. He encourages the readers of this psalm to trust in the Lord at all times. Calvin Define prayer as the chief exercise of faith. The chief exercise of faith. Folks, if you think someone can and will help you, what do you do? You ask them, right? You ask them. We're to to pour out our hearts before God. If you believe, and please, you should believe that He can and will help. Pray, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, but pour out your heart to Him. 
Because the reality is, is not doing so is practical atheism. It's just self-reliance. I wanted to read a little bit from this little book that we gave the men uh, a while back. If Guys, if you didn't get a copy, let us know. I think we still have some. Um, they might even be out there. They are out there. So, um, Michael Reeves called Enjoy Your Prayer Life. And he gave some wonderful encouragement in this. And I'm just going to read a little bit from it. So, listen up, please. Being a Christian is first and foremost all about receiving, asking, and depending. It's when you don't feel needy, and so when you don't pray much, that you lose your grip on reality and think or act in an unchristian manner. In fact, as you grow as a Christian, you should feel not more self-sufficient, but ever more needy. If you don't, I'm not sure you're growing spiritually. If you really feel your need to depend on God through prayer, or if you really feel your need to depend on God, though, prayer will simply flow from this. And he goes on, prayer then is enjoying the care of a powerful father. Isn't that, isn't that a great way to view prayer? Prayer is enjoying the care of a powerful father. Instead of being left to a frightening loneliness where everything is all down to you, prayer is the antithesis of self-dependence. It is our no to independence and our no to personal ambition. It is the exercise of faith that you need God and are a needy receiver. With this in mind, instead of chasing the idol of our own productivity, let's be dependent children and let the busyness that could keep us from prayer drive us to prayer. But prayer is about dependence. Trust in Him at all times. Pour out your heart before Him, and prayer will further quiet your soul, strengthen your resolve. It's an exercise in taking refuge. Well, we need this refocusing consistently. It's it's a recentering of our hearts, a refocus, um, putting our hearts where they need to be. We need it because our tendency, honestly, again, I've said this a couple times, is to go somewhere else. So much in our life screams, you can, you can find your fulfillment in everything else. But as we saw in the video earlier, everything else doesn't bring fulfillment. There will be that constant statement of, I wish I knew where I could find it. Look at what he says in verses 9 and 10. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Here are some temptations we have. This is not obviously um, all of them, <laughs> but these are some. One of the big ones is Humanity. And as we grow in our understanding of who God is and rest in God alone, we'll understand that humanity is lighter than a breath. They're insubstantial. They're unworthy for us to place our trust in them. They're not substantial enough to provide any real relief. I mean, what about then extortion or robbery or wealth? No, that's not a place to set our hope either. Paul warned against setting your hope in riches. Faith in God is actually going to help us view humanity and wealth rightly. As we trust in Him alone, those things come into perspective. 
Yeah, do we need to rely on people for things? Yeah, absolutely. But our ultimate hope and our ultimate rest is in God alone. And these things, I think David actually contrasts these with the true resource, our true hope. Look at verses 11 and 12. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. Quite simply, God's our hope. David gives us two key characteristics or attributes of God. And these attributes are a steadying truth in our life. The knowledge of God. Folks, if you don't know God, if you don't know who He is, why would you trust Him? And I'll tell you, if you don't know who God is, you won't trust Him. Theology, studying who God is, isn't for head knowledge. So it's for our heart and our life. It is practical to know who God is. So here David says, to God belongs. To God belongs. It's part of who He is. Power and steadfast love. That He chooses those two things. Power. He's he's able to do it. It's contrast with the, the insubstantial nature of man who is lighter than a breath and a delusion. It's a contrast to to them. He actually has power. He has the ability to do what he says he's going to do. We can trust him. But thankfully, being powerful, and we we know that throughout Scripture, he's he's listed as all-powerful. No one can thwart his plans. He's also steadfast in his love. The word that's used throughout Scripture is kindness, loving kindness, his, his mercy, He's steadfast in that. Much different than the one who flatters with their mouth, right? Than that self-seeking sycophant who who goes after him and and wants to take him down. So having an understanding of his steadfast love, love that never ends, never changes toward you, folks, that's freeing and it's calming it's rest-inducing in our lives. Well, I really think much more could be said here, but I just want to leave it at this. Knowing who the Lord is, it's utterly necessary in order to trust, in order to be silent, in order to be at rest and at peace, to actually take refuge in the Lord. We desperately need to hear the words of the psalm. We need to take them to heart. We need to enact how David lived to to have that statement, to have that resolve. Lord, yes, my soul waits in silence for you alone. I believe that. I, I believe that fully. And when it's tested and your heart starts running after something else, talk to yourself with truth. Oh, my soul, stop running after those other things, and wait in silence for God alone. The truth presented here makes an immense difference in our lives. Knowing and believing what the psalm teaches, it's stabilizing. Okay, it's, we, we need a steady and sure foundation. Tragically, we saw what happens when the foundation isn't steady with what happened in Surfside in Miami, Right? 
the foundation started whittling away. And it's a horrible tragedy. Don't let that foundation just be washed away bit by bit over time. Continue to go to Him. And folks, I will say, coming to grips with our own dependence is a really good thing. You are not independent. I was listening to a podcast on the, the drive-in, and R.C. Sproul was talking about aseity, that God alone exists in and of Himself. He's like, I just say that word, and I want to worship. No one else can say that. None of us exist in and of ourselves. We've all had a cause. We are dependent creatures. Come to grips with it. Rest in that because you have a God who says, depend on me. I will care for you. And folks, we're going to get here and we'll stay here through meditating upon and delighting in God's Word seeing His power and His steadfast love over and over, knowing the, the, the story of redemption, knowing how in Christ God loved us so much that He gave Christ for us, that He lived and suffered and died and rose again on our behalf, and that He's coming again. We can rest in that, and, and we have as believers the mind of Christ, and we can turn to Him. Christ was fully dependent. Let the Spirit work in us. Turn to Him. Folks, as we come to grips with this then, with our faith in the Lord alone, it's going to lead us to prayer, and prayer is going to lead us to greater faith in God alone, which will lead us to prayer, which will lead us to greater faith in God alone, which will lead… You get my point here, I hope? Trust in Him at all times. Pour out your hearts before Him. That is the exercise of faith. It'll help us to realize the futility of faith in anything other than God. He alone is our hope. He alone is our salvation. Let us cry out, Lord, Jesus, I am resting and resting in you alone. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You love us. You care for us deeply. Would help us to know that, to trust you, to rest in you, to rejoice in you, calm our spirits. Lord, if, if our hearts and our souls need to be commanded today to wait in silence alone, may we say that. May we hear those words and turn to you. Thank you that you are worthy to be depended upon in all things. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.